0: Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks that You have sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die from us, but that He didn't stay in the tomb, but has risen. We ask, Holy Spirit, that You would so guide us to live in a way that is dependent upon the resurrection and keeping our minds on the things eternal, we might always obey you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake. I don't know about you, but I'm usually grumpy when I wake up. (laughs) Um, The exception has been lately when my my two-year-old daughter Bridget has woken me up. She comes into my room and says, Papa, wake up, Papa, wake up, it's daytime, it's daytime. And um, that puts me in a good mood. That's about it. The Lord God is the God who exceeds our expectations. And here on Easter Sunday, he He exceeds the expectations of those who go to the tomb. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing we heard read earlier today. And so here we are once again at our yearly celebration of the Lord's Resurrection. We've traveled with Him from Palm Sunday through Holy Week, through His betrayal, through His trial, through His agony, His death, and His burial. I like to joke that it's a brutal It's a brutal week going through all the services of Holy Week, but it's nothing compared to what our Lord went through for us. And last night, at the Easter vigil, we remembered Jesus' descending to the dead and breaking the bars of death, releasing those captives, like King David, like the patriarch Abraham, who had seen Him from afar, the book of Hebrews tells us, but had not yet met Him. Today, Jesus Christ is risen, and the stone is rolled away. He has descended and He has ascended back to the earth, from under the earth. As we look at the texts today, I notice that there's a theme in each reading, and you might guess it's to wake up. Awaken, there's a call to wake up in each reading today, but there's a different nuance to each call. The first call is a call from God's people to the Lord to wake up, which is really kind of curious, because the Lord, of course, never slumbers nor sleeps. The second call is a call to the women and the disciples to wake up. And the third call is a call for the world to wake up. The first call is the call to the Lord, as I mentioned, from His people. Look with me at what the prophet Isaiah records. It's in the inside of your insert because it's the alternate reading for this morning. Isaiah chapter 51, where we read verse 9. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake, as in the days of old, as in the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut in pieces, who pierced, who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, and made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? But you see, friends, this is not a call to God to wake up because He's sleeping. It's a call of desperation from His people to Him. His people who feel like He's not hearing them. And rather, it reflects on His people, not upon Him. Just like a little child, they call out to Papa to realize that they are helpless and that they need to be saved themselves. And notice, they count completely upon the arm of the Lord in that passage it is the strong arm of the Lord that has done these things in the past and they believe the strong arm of the Lord will do these things in the future to save them from their enemies God's people reflect on how much God has already done for them he's cut Rahab to pieces and pierced the dragon Now, that language seems foreign to us. Who is Rahab? Who's the dragon? Well, commentator John Ostwald points out that Rahab and the dragon are common names for Egypt and Pharaoh. And so this passage is actually about that crucial time in Hebrew history where God freed them from the enslavement of Pharaoh after 400 years. And well, what does this have to do with Easter? Wait and see. Let's go on to the second call. A call to wake up. This time the call comes from an angel and calls to the women of Galilee and then through them to the disciples of Jesus. Look at the Gospel passage. Luke chapter 24, verse 5. It's on the back of your Scripture insert. But let's look particularly at verse 5 and the end of the verse. Here is the second call. Did you catch it? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you? That's the second call. The call to the women, the call to the disciples. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. Remember, there's the call, how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Well, we have to turn back to earlier in Luke chapter 23 to get the full context of what's going on here. Why do the women not remember this? It seems like a big deal, right? If Jesus has said that he's going to die and be raised again, why don't they remember? Well, recall what's gone on in their lives. Where have these women of Galilee just been? Well, they've been where we just have been throughout Holy Week. They've been witnessing Jesus being beaten, carrying his cross, being spit upon, being crucified. And then finally... They witness being buried earlier in Luke twenty three, we hear that story where Jesus' body is taken down from the cross, and Joseph of Arimathea, a Jewish leader from the council, who were told by Saint Luke was a righteous man that didn't agree to Jesus' being executed, takes Jesus' body and buries it in a tomb in which no man has ever been laid. Jesus receives a rich man's burial which interestingly fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 53 verse 9 which I think is one of those little neat things in Scripture that says look, even if Jesus was trying to fulfill prophecy at this point he's dead. And even, in, even being dead, he's fulfilling prophecy. The Romans prohibited criminal, criminals from being buried. Did you know that? The Romans prohibited criminals from being buried. It was a final disgrace for them to sit and rot on the crosses on which they were crucified. And yet, here Jesus is buried by Joseph of Arimathea as a rich man. The women of Galilee follow Joseph of Arimathea to that tomb where they see Jesus' body buried. Luke 23, 56 tells us, that as they see this, they decide that they're going to go prepare spices and ointments to anoint his body. The ritual for Jewish burial is very costly and complex. It involved bathing and anointing the body, and it was an act of love. The last act of love that someone would give to their beloved. Right? This is a culture where there's no embalming this is a culture where burial has to happen right away because of the, the atmosphere. And so they didn't outsource this to anybody like we do with funeral homes. But the, bod, the, the body would be taken and would be lovingly washed and cared for before being interred. That's the mindset of the women of Galilee here. The women of Galilee think as they go to the tomb this morning on Easter morning that they're going to say a last goodbye to Jesus. And with that goodbye comes a lot of things. Goodbye to the kingdom of God in their minds. Goodbye to the hope in their minds. Goodbye to all of these things. All of these things that they had put years of their lives into. And so it's hard for us on Easter morning to put ourselves in the mindset of Luke 24, in the women's minds. It all seemed lost to them, and they certainly did not expect the resurrection. But God is the God who exceeds our expectations And praise be to God, he exceeded theirs. For the angel does call them to the truth and the reality. Those two men standing in dazzling apparel, whom the the women of Galilee bow to, are messengers from God with good news. Good transformational news that will change their lives and will change the world to come. Look at verse 6. He is not here, but is risen. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words and returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and all the rest. The angels remind the women. They call them to wake up to the reality of the resurrection that Jesus had prophesied about Himself. And in Luke's Gospel, Jesus made this prophecy at least three times earlier. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James then lead the women to the apostles in great joy. And they call them too to wake up, to awaken their minds and to remember what Jesus had said. But notice, the apostles are hesitant. Did you catch that in this morning's reading? Verse 11, these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. All except for Peter, impulsive Peter, the one who had lost everything, For he had betrayed the Lord as he was being tried. Verse 12 tells us that Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in it, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter rushes to the grave to see can it be true? Can this call to awaken be reality? We come to the third call. The call to the world to awake, to wake up. The third call is to the wider world and comes from that very same Saint Peter who ran to the tomb. In the book of Acts, from which our second lesson is taken, just before the passage, we read at the beginning of chapter 10 about a man named Cornelius. Perhaps you're familiar with the passage Cornelius is a Roman centurion and he's been praying adamantly for the Lord to act. In Acts chapter 10 verse 2, we hear that Cornelius the centurion is a God-fearing man and a generous man. And an angel comes to him and tells him too that his prayers have been heard. In today's Acts reading, starting with verse 34 in Acts chapter 10, Peter's call to the world to awake is an answer to Cornelius' prayer. It's an answer to a Roman centurion's prayer that the world, that the Gentiles, would be called to God and awake. Peter has been shown that in Christ, All peoples are called to wake up and turn to the risen Christ. Not just Jew, but Gentile. All nations. I think sometimes as Christians we forget this, right? Sometimes we conflate the Gospel message with our own culture and just think about it as, well, Christian nations. Well, Western nations. But Jesus is the Lord of all nations and calls all peoples to awake and turn to Him. After giving a summary of Jesus' ministry, St. Peter speaks about Jesus being raised from the dead. And this is not some myth or idle tale, notice, but a joyful reality. Peter's response in preaching is a response to that call. To call the world to wake up. Look at Acts chapter 10 verses 40 and 42 specifically. But God raised Him, that is Jesus, on the third day and made Him to appear, not to all the people but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him All the prophets bear witness and everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Friends, that's the core of the Gospel. That Jesus truly did die for your sins. He truly did descend to the dead because He conquered death and He truly has risen again. And that makes all the difference, you see, Because Jesus is the only man and also God who can offer forgiveness of sins to us. That's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. A universal call. A radically inclusive call that all people might come to Jesus Christ and be saved. The resurrection of Jesus brings about these three calls in today's reading. God's people's call to God to awake And save themselves. Well, remember, what does that first Isaiah passage have to do with Easter? Everything. Everything, I would suggest to you. For just as God's people in the Old Testament could do nothing in their own strength, so we can do nothing in our own strength. All of our works, all of our good deeds are worthless without Jesus. All of that is still worthy of condemnation without Jesus. Because He alone can save us from our sins. What's the second call. God's call to His faithful people to remember His promises. Oh, how often we forget what's been promised to us. Even those of us who are Christians and have been baptized. How often we don't claim the promises that the Lord has given us. And thirdly, we're instructed to call the world to believe in the risen Christ. And that's not just the job of the preacher. In fact, it's not even the principal job of the preacher. It's the principal job of you, the faithful. To call the world to Christ. To the reality of the risen Jesus Christ, who alone can give them forgiveness of sins. Each of these, you see, applies to the church. Each of these applies to you and to me. And then, look at the very last verse of the Old Testament. Isaiah 51, 11. For the prophet sees through the cross and to the end of all time with this part of his prophecy. And says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Dear friends, this Easter and tide, we rejoice that we are ransomed in the Lord, that we are saved, that we're redeemed, that the strong arm of the Lord has done it, and that believing in Him, We are returning to that heavenly Zion where one day there will be a fullness of His presence. Not in this world, but in the world to come. Not because of our own merit, but because of the merit and death of Christ. Because of the resurrected Lord. God does not slumber nor sleep. But we do. Too often. Spiritually. Awake. Wake up. Wake up. How quick we are to forget who we are in baptism. But St. Paul writes to the Roman church and therefore to us in chapter 6, verse 3-5, through all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus and were baptized into His death. We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. This is God's call to you and to me. Wake up. Don't be overwhelmed with your life. If you're putting too much in your life, stop it. If you're making yourself too busy, stop it. There are more important things, like setting your mind on the things above. And the Lord has promised newness of life to you. And so, as you experience the joy of being ransomed, the third call applies open your mouth, proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. You don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing behind the scenes in the lives of the people that you meet. Maybe you meet them in the store, perhaps they're co-workers or friends. Peter, notice, didn't know what the Lord was doing in Cornelius' heart, away in Joppa. And yet, the Lord used an obedient Peter because he opened his mouth to preach the Gospel. We know, friends, that God's soul of the world and each person that He gave Himself for us, He died and rose again. One day He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. Wake up to that reality. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.